21, and uh, we're going to get into this passage this evening. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. John 21, we're going to look at the first three verses by way of opening, and uh, we're going to get into a sermon I believe is going to be a great help to a lot of you tonight. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. So here's the account. There were gathered together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Canaan Galilee, and the two sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. The title of the Bible study message this evening is this, Encouragement for a Discouraged Heart. Boy, Peter was very discouraged. He was so discouraged, he was ready to quit on the Lord. And Jesus is going to come along and he's going to restore Peter. He's going to restore him in his discouragement. Hey, we all face times of discouragement. We all face times where we feel like we're a failure. All of us do. And Peter felt like a failure. He had seen the resurrected Lord, and that didn't encourage him. That deeply discouraged him. We'll talk about why in just a moment. Jesus is going to come along in just the right demeanor. He's going to love on Peter, and he's going to put him back in the game. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we ask that you give us your strength, uh, strength of mind. And uh, strength of body to, Lord, hang in there. I know many are tired. They've had a long day. And then, Lord, others are tired because of the lateness of the hour. But, Lord, we know that your word is meant to restore us. It's spiritual food for our weary souls. And so, Lord, help us to put our physical fatigue to the side for a few minutes. And, Lord, let our, allow our spiritual fatigue uh, to be helped. And I pray that, God, tonight someone would be encouraged who is discouraged. I understand there's a room full of people here. But, Lord, beyond that, there's a camera on, and there's people who will see this or hear this, uh, Lord, online, maybe even watching right now. And, Lord, it's hard to know uh, who sees and hears the sermon, but, Lord, we know that there are those who need to be encouraged as well that are not in the building, maybe even those outside of the building that need it the most. So, Lord, I pray each one that hears this, sees this, would be encouraged. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the fact that it's so practical and helpful in our day-to-day life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, we have um, quite a bit to cover here, and we have a short time in which to cover it. So I'm going to forego my introductory thoughts, and I believe we'll, we'll cover all those anyway in the body of the sermon. So let's jump into point number one here, and notice Peter's resignation. Peter's Resignation, And what I mean by resignation is Peter quit. He said, I'm done, I'm through. He had had three and a half years of following Jesus and being trained in ministry. Being trained to do the work of the Lord. And Peter says, I quit, I'm done, I resign, I'm going back to what I used to do. I don't want to be in ministry anymore. I don't want... To do the Lord's work anymore. Look down at verse 3. John 21. Look down at verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them. Look look here. Here's what he said. I go a fishing. Notice that. 
I go a fishing. You say, well, where does that say he quit? Well, let me just remind you what Peter did before Jesus found him. Peter was a fisherman by trade. And when Jesus found him, Peter, we'll see it in the, in the, in the text in a few minutes, he forsook his fishing in order to follow Jesus. Now what he's saying is, I'm forsaking following Jesus to go back to fishing. I go a fishing. He's saying here, I quit. I quit. I see a lot of Christians who get discouraged for one reason or another and they quit. They walk away from church. They walk away from their Bible reading. They walk away from a time of prayer. They quit putting forth the effort to better themselves. They quit putting forth the effort to please Christ with their life. And they, they, they give up on what God's called them to do. Then there are others who maybe they don't quit on church or the Bible, but they get weary and well-doing while serving at the church. And so they will go to a ministry leader and say, I quit. I'm done. I need a break. And they just sit on a pew and they coast their way to glory, they are content to be mediocre. They're content to sit and not serve and they resign. And uh, why was Peter there? Was Peter there because the Lord had let him down? No. Peter was there because he had let the Lord down. Peter was there because he had failed. Peter was there because he was being hard on himself. I mentioned a moment ago that Peter was discouraged because Jesus had risen from the dead. Let me qualify that statement. Uh, Peter had denied the Lord and went out and wept bitterly. Again, we'll look at that passage in just a moment. And can you imagine Peter hiding in that upper room? Uh, Mary Magdalene, as we saw last week, comes running in and she says, uh, uh, he's, he, he, someone's taken his body. They've stolen his body. Come. And Peter sprints to the tomb. John beats him there. But Peter rushes in the tomb and he sees the empty tomb. Now he's bewildered and now now he's confused and he makes his way back uh, there to the upper room where they're hiding out. And then Jesus just appears. Eight days later, Jesus appears a second time. And now Peter is having a hard time looking Jesus in the eye. Because Peter knows, I blew it. I blew it. He told me I would deny him and, and I said I wouldn't and then I denied him. I, I can't look him in the eye. I, I can't, I'm not qualified. I'm not worthy to serve him. There are many Christians who have what I'll call a defeatist attitude. You know why they have a defeatist attitude? It's because sin has beaten them down and they've lost and lost and lost and lost and lost to sin. And they feel like, I'm not worthy to serve the Lord. I'm not qualified to serve the Lord. I've let the Lord down over and over and over again. I'm broken and God can't use me. That's exactly where he was. Notice letter A. Notice his failure. His failure. Go back with me to John chapter 13. Uh, just a few pages there. John chapter 13. And uh, to get the whole picture of the story of uh, Peter, we're going to look at several passages tonight. John 13 in the New Testament. Look at verse number 36. Here they're in the upper room. Jesus has just washed their feet and uh, he's, giving, uh, he's giving them some instructions about new commandment they're to follow, that they love one another. 
And he says, where I'm going, you can't go. Look at 36. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus saith unto him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And I believe Peter was sincere when he said that. Jesus saith unto him, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the the cock or the rooster shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Jesus said, you say you lay down your life for me, but you're going to deny me three times before tomorrow morning. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 69. Turn over there for me. And we see uh, the, the next part of the story is that Jesus has been arrested. They've left the upper room. They've gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, and Jesus has uh, uh, prayed a passionate prayer there. He's been arrested. And now uh, Peter is uh, following the Lord. His direction is right. His distance is wrong. Instead of being by the Lord's, boldly being by the Lord's side, he's brashly, he's foolishly back uh, with the wrong crowd. And he's going to cave to peer pressure. Look at verse 69. Now, Peter sat without in the, pl- in the palace and a damsel came into him and we know from John's story, this damsel was keeping the door. The damsel came into him saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. There's the first time. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them, Thou were that, that were there. This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came into him that uh, they uh, came into him, they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou art, uh, thou also art one of them for thy speech. Be thee. you sound like Jesus. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Look at 75. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. His failure. He, he said, I, I'll stay with you to the death. He said, I'll, I'll lay down my life for you. And then when the time came, he denied. And then he denied. Then the third time, he cursed and swore and denied. And right after that, that rooster crowed, the cock crew, and he went out and he realized, I'm a failure. I let the Lord down. I denied Him. And now he's seen the resurrected Lord and he can't even probably look Him in the eye. He, he doesn't feel worthy at all to do the work he's been trained to do. His failure. Letter B, we see his friends. His friends. Go back with me, or rather look with me at John chapter 6, verse 67. We're going to look at um, John 21 in just a moment. Let me lay some groundwork. John chapter 6 and verse number 67. Turn there with me. So the context of John 6 is that Jesus is at his uh, peak of popularity in the beginning of chapter 6. He's just fed the 5,000. 
And I mean, look, you go feeding 5,000 people, um, you, you become a one-man welfare uh, line, right? Where you're passing out fish and bread and feeding people, multiplying fish and bread and feeding people. I mean, you're going to become real popular real fast. They follow him around the sea and find him and say, where'd you go? And this long conversation ensues where Jesus basically says that uh, believing in me is eating me and receiving me is drinking my blood. And if you want to have part in me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, and they missed the metaphor. They missed what he was trying to get at. They were turned off by it. And the Bible says in John 6 that many forsook him. Many of his disciples forsook him. And then Jesus turns in 67. Look here. 67. Uh, from uh, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice of the twelve, which one it was that spoke up and spoke for the twelve. It was Peter. Peter was the leader of the disciples. Peter was the one to put himself out there. Peter was probably the one that took on the role of being the Lord's bodyguard, even though Jesus didn't need one. But Peter would have been the protector. Peter was the leader. He was the one who would speak up. Look with me at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. This is a, a common passage. Our, our, uh, our Catholics love this passage. And uh, they love to use this to claim that Peter was the first pope. That's not at all what this is teaching. And I'm not going to dive into the, the doctrine of Matthew 16, 18, 19 totally tonight. But look with me here. And the point I want you to get is that the Lord was putting Peter as the leader. This wasn't just a position uh, assumed by Peter. The Lord had promoted Peter to be in charge of the disciples. Look here. Uh, the Bible says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. In fact, back up one verse. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Peter pronounced that, uh, that, he, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto them, verse, uh, verse 17, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, or little pebble, little rock, uh, and upon this rock, pointing to himself, uh, I will build my church. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, and I will give unto thee, he's speaking directly to Peter, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. He's saying, I'm going to give Give you the keys to the kingdom. You parents that have ever raised children and taught them how to drive, you hand them the keys to your car and you say, be careful. That's a lot of power I'm giving you right there, right? I mean, you get in an accident, our insurance rates are going up. And on top of that, it's the repairing of the vehicle. And, and be careful. And on top of that, your life matters. And the Lord didn't give Peter the keys to some Cadillac. He gave. He was saying, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say, I'm going to give it to all the disciples. I'm going to give it to you, Peter. And now, back in John 21, we have a discouraged Peter who is... Uh, disillusioned, he's uh, uh, discombobulated, he's discouraged in his failure with the Lord. Look back with me at verse number uh, number two there, John 21. Look at verse two. There were together uh, uh, Simon Peter, 
And Thomas called Didymus. This is the one that doubted the Lord. And Nathanael of Cana in Galilee. So we're at three disciples. And then you have the sons of Zebedee. That's James and John. So we're at five disciples and two others of his disciples. So seven of the remaining 11 are gathered together. And so uh, look what Peter says in verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. I quit. They say unto him, we also go with thee. Do you see that there? We also go with thee. When Peter quit, six other of the disciples quit with him. I thought, think about the verse that says, No man liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Everyone in here has someone that looks up to them or leans on them. You say, Oh, not me. No one cares what I think. No one cares how I feel. Maybe you live by yourself, or maybe you uh, just feel that your circle of influence is very small. Uh, don't take my words for it. The Lord, the Bible says, no man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. And ladies, that goes for you too. And when you quit on the Lord, you are hurting somebody. I think about Mike over here, who's here tonight on a Wednesday night. He goes to, to Cracker Barrel, stop and shop every week. You know what he does? He's passing out those tracks. Passing out those tracks everywhere he goes. You know what, Mike? If you quit on the Lord, somebody wouldn't get a track, and that might change their life. You don't live to yourself. You don't die to yourself. Bob over here, you live by yourself, don't you? But you know what? You have an influence on that cousin and that daughter, or that niece and that daughter who's coming up, and, and you don't live to yourself. You don't die to yourself. Several of you in here might be older. I'm not going to point out anyone that's older because people get all weird about that. Amen? Uh, older. I'll let you self-identify if you're older, right? But uh, some of you here are getting older and you think, my influence is shrinking and it, it doesn't matter as much. No man liveth to himself. No man dieth to himself. Peter quits and what happened? His friends quit with him. They said, I quit too. In fact, look at the rest of verse 3. They say, uh, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, immediately. And that night they caught nothing. And so we see his failure. We see his friends. He's leading his friends astray. He's causing his friends to quit. Uh, I'll just briefly mention this. In the years I've been in church ministry, in the years I've been in church, which is my entire life, I have seen my share of friends and uh, uh, acquaintances. And, and back when I was a child, uh, people I looked up to that fell into sin or got discouraged and walked away from church or got discouraged and uh, quit the ministry. And you know what? Every time that happens, they take people out with them. The pastor that pastored the church where I went to college got wrapped up in a sexual affair with a, a, with a minor and ended up in prison over that. And the effect that that has had on the peers I went to college with, he was the president of the college, the pastor of the church, great was the fall of that tree and great was the damage from that tree falling. It took out many people who had... 
their eyes on the wrong thing, on a person instead of on the Lord. And when you fall, you hurt people. When you quit, you hurt people. When you decide, I'm not going to church anymore, I'm not going to do what's right, you hurt people. When you decide to start talking like the other people at work and going to the places they go that that doesn't please the Lord, and behaving in a way that is untoward and uh, ungodly, what happens is you hurt uh, the cause of Christ. Peter quit. His friends quit with him. Let her see. We also see Peter's resignation We see his flesh. Look down at verse number 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loveth saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him. Look at this next phrase here in the parentheses. For he was naked and did cast himself in the sea. Why is it that when people who go to church begin to rebel, the very first thing that happens is they just start taking their clothes off? Why is it that people start dressing in a way that's immodest? What, what is, you know, let me just say something about the way we dress. And this isn't the point of the message, but just real quick here. The way uh, that you dress communicates a message to the world. It does. If I want to play football and I'm on a football team and I show up in a basketball uniform, they're going to tell me I can't play because I'm wearing the wrong uniform. And if I showed up uh, in a, uh, and I joined the military and I showed up on uh, battle day and I was going into war and I had a uniform on for the other, uh, uh, other team, uh, they wouldn't let me out on the battlefield until I changed my uniform. Uh, listen, what you wear either represents that you love the world or you love the Lord. And what does Peter do? He says, I quit serving the Lord. I'm going back to fishing. And the first thing he does is he starts to take his clothes off. Now, when the Bible says that he was naked. I don't think he was walking around in his birthday suit. Now, I'm doing some assuming here. I don't think he was. At least I hope not, Nino. But uh, I I think he probably was shirtless. I think he was probably shirtless. Amen? You don't want to see me shirtless. Amen, Nino? Probably not you either. Amen? Okay, praise the Lord. Our wives are over that, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, But uh, listen, uh, he, he takes his shirt off, probably takes his shirt off, and he's in the boat. He's in the boat. And he's out there fishing, and he's probably just right back to the way he was uh, before uh, before he followed the Lord. Why? Because he quit, because he was discouraged. Now, I'm being a little silly tonight, but I want to say here that many Christians are right where Peter was. They have fallen, they've done something wrong, they feel defeated because they can't overcome a sin, and they throw in the towel and they quit. And I want to say tonight that this church is not a place where perfect Christians attend. In fact, there's not one perfect person that attends this church. Uh, From the pastor to the deacons to the person who's just visiting this church and everyone in between, we're all sinners struggling with sin, trying to overcome our sin. We all all have our shortcomings. We all have our areas where we fail. But you know what? We got to stay in the game. We got to keep moving forward. And we have to keep serving the Lord. Don't hyper focus on where you fail and be like, well, I can't serve the Lord anymore. No, you get back in there and you do what's right. Peter's resignation. Number two, Peter's reminder. Peter's reminder. Let's look at verse four uh, here and let's see Peter's reminder of his life priority, of his life priority. Look with me at verse number 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children! 
And by the way, let me just interject this right here. I love the Lord's demeanor in this passage. Here you got carnal Peter who's quit, naked, in the boat, not my word, the Bibles, naked in the boat, backslidden as all get out, yanking six of the other disciples with him, and Jesus doesn't come guns a-blazing. Jesus comes with love and kindness. He comes with the, the most gentle demeanor. You know why? Listen to me. Our Lord is gentle. He was of a meek and lowly spirit. The only group of people that Je- Jesus blasted two groups of people in his ministry. Those who hurt children. He said a millstone be tied about their neck and they should be cast to the depths of the sea. And Pharisees. Man, he was hard on Pharisees. But you know who he wasn't hard on? He wasn't hard on anybody else. He lovingly rebuked Peter a few times in Scripture, corrected his disciples. But Jesus had a demeanor that was influencing, not someone looking to just utterly control. So here they are, carnal in the boat. Look at verse 5. Jesus, then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he saith unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to throw it for the multitude of fishes, or draw it for the multitude of fishes. Uh, and so what happens here? They're out there all night toiling, fishing, 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 fishing. Can't catch a single fish. Jesus is out, uh, he's on the shore, he's too far away from them to make out who he is. So all they know is some silhouette of a person's out there on the shore. He cries out, children, have you any meat? No, we don't have any meat. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter number 5. This has happened before. Luke chapter 5. And look with me at verse number 4. I think that this whole account of fishing and not catching anything and then uh, casting the net on uh, out of the boat uh, yet again early in the morning. Look at verse 4. Now... When he had left speaking, this is Jesus, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering, saith unto him, Master. And again, this is before Simon Peter has uh, uh, elected to follow the Lord. Okay, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had, uh, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken, and so also was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. James and John are in this passage. James and John are also in our story in John 21, uh, which, were, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, I said unto Simon, look here, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Now look at verse 11. Read this with me. And when they had brought their ships to land... They forsook all and followed him. Do you see here? You see here? They cast that in the morning. They cast that net out of the boat. They caught such a haul of fishes. The nets began to break. And Simon Peter, as a result of this happening, he walks away from his profession 
to follow Jesus. Now, here we are at the end of the story. Three and a half years later, uh, Jesus has been arrested, crucified, and has risen from the dead. And Peter has seen the risen Lord, but it is so discouraged he's gone back to fishing. He's in that boat having quit. And Jesus says, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And they have, again, such a great haul of fish. What is the Lord trying to do here? He's trying to say, Peter, do you remember the last time we were here? You remember the last time I ordered you to cast a net over the boat, side of the boat? Do you remember the decision you made? You made the decision to walk away from what you're doing right now and follow me. Let me remind you, Peter, your priority in life is not to catch fish. Your priority in life is to catch men. What are you doing, Peter? What are you, why, are you, why are you out here? Letter A. Instead of berating him, he's using, he's using tactile. He's using this senses. He's using sentimental experiences to bring back that reminder. Letter B. We see Peter's reminder of the Lord's power. Look at verse 6. He saith unto, said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And I wanted to work this into the uh, sermon, because I felt like this was so important. Turn back over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And again, roll over the Gospels, because we want to get the full account here to understand the, the story of what's going on with Peter. Um, Somebody tonight needs to hear me say this. Mark, Mark 4, let me, let me read 35 through 40, and then I'm going to make a very strong point. Mark 4, 35 through 40. And the same day when the even was come, for time's sake I'm going to begin reading, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side, Jesus speaking to his disciples. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were, there were also with him other little ships. So they're on the Sea of Galilee. They're crossing from one side to the other. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so it was now full. So the waves are casting, or rather the um, wind is casting waves into the boat. And so the boat's filling up with water. And it looks like they're either going to capsize or sink. And he was in the hinder, he Jesus, in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say to him, Master, Master! Carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the winds and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How was it that ye have no faith? What do we take away from the story of Mark 4? That Jesus is the master of the winds and the waves and the sea. Jesus is the master of nature. Even nature obeys the Lord. Now, with that thought in mind, here Peter is. He's quit on the Lord. He's quit on his calling. He's given up on his priority. And now he wants to go back to fishing. And he's out there all night toiling. All night with his nets in the water. And he doesn't catch even one fish. Why do you think that Peter didn't catch any fish? I'm going to tell you why. Because the Lord did not want him to catch one fish. Hear me out. Hear this. You will not make a dime that God does not want you to make. You want to go out and make money 
devoid of God. You want to go out and earn an income and do it against God. You want to say, not your kingdom, but mine. Let me be clear here. Any money that you make is because God allows you to make it. Tomorrow, He could take that job from you. Tomorrow, He could take your strength away. Tomorrow, He could let some parasite in your body that eats away at your brain and makes it impossible for you you to work and you to be a vegetable in bed the rest of your life. The Lord allows you to go to work. And here Peter is, out in the water, fishing. I quit. I'm going to do my thing. And God says, okay, have fun at that. How many fish did you catch last night? A big, fat Zero. All right, now throw your net in the other side of the water and let's see what happens. Or other side of the boat, see what happens. All of a sudden, a great haul of fish comes in because, Peter, you're not going to catch any fish unless God says you can catch fish. And when he says you can, you can catch a whole bunch of them. You know what we have to understand is that when we're working in line with God's power, we can do great things. But when we're working against God's power, you can do nothing. That's why Jesus said in John 15, without me, ye can do nothing. Peter's being reminded of his priorities. Peter's being reminded of who has the power. Letter C, Peter's reminder of the Lord's provision, of the Lord's provision. We're going to save point three uh, for next week here. I was hoping to get through this this week, but that's okay. Point three is a sermon all in of itself. Look at verse number five. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And you know what God's power does? It provides for us. In fact, look down with me at verse number 9. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, Fish laid thereon in bread. Who, who, who did this fish fry? The Lord did. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and 150 and three. So that, their net caught 153 fishes. That's a lot of fish. Amen? You go out fishing with a fishing rod, and, a fishing rod and, and you catch 153 fish in one day, Wowzers, that's quite a successful outing. And they got that with one draw of the net, 153 fish. Look at verse 12. Jesus saith unto them, look at those next three words. Come and dine. You know what my mom would say? She'd stick her head out the door about the time the streetlights were coming on. And she'd say, come home. It's time to eat supper. Time to eat dinner. And man, we'd come running from all kinds of directions inside. We love that dinner time. Amen. Come on in and eat. And Jesus is saying, come and dine. I have a meal prepared for you. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showeth, or showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. You know... Um, it was the um, psalmist that said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I see people all the time, they skip church. And I say, well, why can't you be in church? Oh, I've got to work. I've got to work. Well, let me get this right. You've been commanded to be obedient, not to forsake going to church. Yet you are forsaking going to church so that you can go and work. Who is it that provides your bread? Who is it that provides your food? 
It's the Lord that does that. Here they're out there toiling all night. Can't catch a fish. Jesus says, throw your net over the right side of the boat. A hundred and, what do we say, 53? Is that the number? 153 fish caught in the net. They come to shore and you know what? They didn't eat a single one of those fish. You know why? Because Jesus had already been fishing that morning. And he had already caught the fish they needed. And he prepared that for them. And they sat down to a meal that the Lord provided for them. Is this why that Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our, our daily bread? Right? Because the Lord is the one that provides our daily bread. I have up there, or I have in your bulletin there and on the screen, uh, the reference Matthew 6.33. We know that verse, don't we? It's a verse we're all familiar with. But seek ye first, say it with me, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are these things? Well, just back up a few verses and it's raiment, it's food, right? It's our daily provisions. The Lord will provide them if we seek His kingdom first. What is the, what is the Lord trying to remind Peter of? Here, here it is. Here, here's how I'll put it. The Lord is reminding Peter that if you will seek my kingdom first, then I will seek your kingdom and provide for you. But if you seek your kingdom first and neglect my kingdom, good luck catching any fish, Peter. Good luck. Have fun trying. It is going to be a waste of time. And Christian, we are called to take up our cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow the Lord. That means that you seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first His righteousness. God says, if you'll do that, all these things will be added unto you. Here Peter's discouraged. Peter needed some reminders. He needed to be reminded of what his priority was. It wasn't, it wasn't being a fisherman. He'd been called away from that. He'd been called to serve the Lord. And my friend, you've been called out of the world, and you've been called to serve the Lord. Get back in the game. Get back in the fight. Get back in your race. Run the race with patience. And remember who's standing at the finish line. The author and finisher, uh, finisher of your faith with his nail print, hand, nail print hands and his side that's pierced. And he's saying, I finished my race. You can finish yours. I died for you. You come forth and live for me. He needed to be reminded of his priority. He needed to be reminded of God's power. Uh, Peter, you don't live life through your strength. You live life through my strength. He needed to be re reminded of the Lord's provision. God is the one that provides when we seek first his kingdom. We'll get into number three next week and we'll see how the Lord is going to take care of getting Peter back out of discouragement and get him into a place of encouragement. And uh, boy, the rest of this chapter is so rich and so good. I encourage you to go home and read it for yourself. But we'll, we'll look at it in great detail next week. Amen? All right. Good stuff. I love this chapter. I, many times I've been discouraged and I've gone to John, John 21 and the Lord has refreshed me with it. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed with the word of prayer, sent forth with the word of prayer. I hope you got your, your uh, aircraft, you got your, uh, your fighter jet fueled up tonight. You're ready to hit the runway. Get back out there and fight the good fight for the Lord. Amen? All right. Let's have a word of prayer and ask God to bless us as we uh, go forth. Brother Bob Hyatt, are you comfortable closing us in prayer tonight? Would you be willing to do that? Thank you.